yeah, so I've got my notes down, I'm ready. And uh, Well done. It's mm, even recording and all that. Okay, well, give me a moment. Um... <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah it's uh, I speak with my hands you do speak with your hands be honest and in full rant mm. <clears throat> here at the tea first because he's got my throat mm. Tom has been documenting me uh, the way I yeah. rant and talk when I'm uh, 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 when I'm sort of chattering on <sighs> anyway um, mm. uh, yes are we back yeah oh, hello hi he's, he's Tom and he's Baldo um, um and you know where we are by now, so let's skip all the introductions and, you know, we'll just talk crap for an hour. Um, I'll give or take. <clears throat> I'll give or take. Yeah, so, um, this is number six. Is it? It is number, this is number six. Yeah, we just did number five. Or no, we did number five a week ago, ages ago, months ago, weeks ago. No, no, actually we did ten minutes ago. Um, so, number six. Um, now, just to give a... This feels like we're doing a series. Mm-hmm. This is a dreadful thing because we're getting double figures and then we really are doing a series. But we do want to talk about case studies at some point. Um, and case studies were going to be the th- subject of number six. And then, because this is still October the 14th, something got sent to me this morning and I retweeted it and it brought up a conversation about the wisdom or not of hackathons, hack days, the hack culture around how do you generate innovation. And what we felt was, because it's on our mind and it's something we did write about in the book, then it's something that this, that will be number six and we'll reserve case studies and just talking about things we like, which we're going to do for another one, because it, that's kind of in the back. It, it, it ties in what we were talking about last time, about how, how do we get the train moving and trying to get, yes, it it, uh, how, to, how do we get publishing sort of driving forward in a more productive way that doesn't involve somebody else coming in and bombing the hell out of them and, and replacing them with something else. Which is, if you've been sitting since whatever the date is that we actually released podcast number five onto the market, thinking you're know, drowning your sorrows in whiskey and mm-hmm. cheap vodka post-Frankfurt and thinking that Tom and Boulder said it's all doomed, that you know <laughs> we're, we're doomed, what the hell are we doing? This is where we tell you how to fix it. Um, which well, at least, feel- at least not, you know... We, uh, no, 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 no. Okay, it'll, yes. it'll keep listening. It'll keep, yeah, okay. enough, it'll keep enough, listening. This is how we tell you how to fix it. Um, or at least we tell you how not to make it any worse. Um, or not to make yourselves idiots. It's almost as good. <laughs> it's almost as good. Um, though it feels rather cruel to have left people waiting for between seven and nine days. So what was the what were uh, what were the contents of that thing that you responded to? This thing that I tweeted, which was sent to me by our listener. Um, <laughs> and I say our listener because I think we only have one listener. Um, hang on, I'm going to find it now um, because we're in the study again which means the acoustics are different and so you've probably noticed that but let me just see that means I've also got an internet connection um, so this was a piece in publishing perspectives and uh, after note here this is not a uh, this is not publishing perspectives that are Okay, yeah, but actually, what they've re- oh, oh, the piece is rubbish. Yeah, I mean, I, I've met Ed. Ed, Ed, he's he's really nice. But is he uh, really this, nice? This, he is actually really nice. Really? Uh, Great. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, but, got nice, he's got a nice smile. Yeah, he's got Great. a nice smile. He's a nice guy. But in this case, this specific case, he's just way off, off way off. Okay, um, so let's just the the piece is about. Um, <clears throat> it's obviously it's 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 a um, it's an editorial piece written around the time of Frankfurt. So, I will read. Um, <clears throat> and it starts out with why is publishing not got a jetpack, which is that age-old metaphor for why have jetpacks we not... are a really bad idea. They're a really stupid if you idea. think <clears throat> if you think people people are getting yeah. uh, killed en masse mm. with cars, yeah. imagine if it, we we had popularised that idea of strapping an explosive onto your back. <laughs> 
and uh, uh, and uh, you know basically blowing yourself up, uh, 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 you know, using directed explosions to get around. Imagine the mass casualties; it would kill more people than cancer. Okay, so bolder pedantic Bjarnason has just addressed the idea of the anyway jetpack. So <laughs> it's around what innovation is in publishing. So I, I'm going to quote. I'm going to quote from Ed. Um, so this year in November, the Dutch aimed to give it a shot. This summer, the Dutch Publishers Association put out a call to startups around the world to submit proposals for their I quote renew the book project. Under the programme, five companies will be invited this November to live and work in Amsterdam Amsterdam, for 40 days, all expenses paid, to collaborate with publishers and come up with new ideas to address how people will develop, contradistribute and devour books in the future. At the end of the project, one winner, I'm going to insert the word one lucky winner, mm. will be awarded €15,000 to implement their idea. That's what we call yeah. a thinking pause. It's not a pregnant pause. It's a thinking pause while all that sinks in. Well, my pause was mainly about how can we address this while staying polite. I, I addressed it really, and it was I addressed it quickly because I thought nobody else. I, I googled the, um, the article, and nobody else had mentioned it at that point. And I thought, well, if I don't get in first, then somebody else will say nice things about it. So let's just <laughs> copy about it. Okay, can you imagine the hotel bill for forty days worth of? five companies yeah. in Amsterdam working with publishers, let alone the drinks bill and the expenses bill and the travel bill and the God knows what else. The hotel bill for 40 days for five companies. And what they're going to give the lucky winner is €15,000 to implement their idea. It's I mean, a, the idea is so fucked up <laughs> at the oh, basic yeah. principle level as to just be laughable. It's completely mm. absurd, completely ridiculous. Fifteen thousand euro, which is about ten, twelve thousand yeah. pounds in English money, to implement an idea which apparently is going to address how people will develop, distribute, and devour books in the future. I mean, I'm sorry. I know we're in the explicit content of iTunes, and a number of writers have written to me. Why? Why are you explicit? For fuck's sake! That is the most <laughs> dumb, yeah. stupid plan I have ever heard. We're in the Wally Coyote level of planning. We're just in the God. I don't get it. I yeah. just don't get it. There are especially because if you if you look at the costs involved with hosting all these people and 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 organising them, it's going the to hotel bill. Yeah, it's going to amount to more than fifteen thousand pounds. It's just yeah. I mean, unless they pay. They're, I mean, if, I may be wrong. Amsterdam may have a great many youth hostels that are really cheap, and these tech companies are going to be put up in a youth hostel for forty days and bring their own yeah, sleeping bags. Because that's going to be such a nice working but environment for getting things done. But I just don't get it. It's just the most backward way of thinking. <laughs> And it just it just illustrates for me everything, everything wrong with the whole. Not everything wrong with hat, hat culture. There's nothing wrong with hat culture. Hat culture is a really interesting, thing. but publishing's particularly publishing's approach to hat culture. Well, let's let's use this one analogy. I uh, sort of um, I've start, been using. I, I have herbal tea. I'm going to come down. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm I'm on the coffee. I need to. I'm gonna I'm gonna be more. Uh, so I'm probably going to be the sort of yeah. Mm. Uh, but my uh, the analogy I like to use is that. What would publishers do if they were looking for the next great novel? Do you think what they do is like uh, let's pick <laughs> fifty? Yeah, let's pick uh, any or any fifteen bloody stupid author who has the time <laughs> to leave and hang out in Amsterdam for a period of time, and then the one who, uh, who puts together the least awful draft <laughs> in the space of 15 <laughs> days... We'll get 15,000 yeah, pounds of And, and we'll, we'll assume that that will result in a great novel. Yeah. No, you, that's <laughs> a fucking idiotic way to do it. It's just, you would never, 
ever do that for any creative genre ever. That is not how you you. That's not how you create work. That's not how you find good work. That's not how you promote good work. It's just and it's not, not the way to do and it. It's not how you do business if you're in publishing anyway. No, exactly. You don't. I mean, I mean, just by the way, yes, um, um, Clarion. There's a whole set of um, that's can, different. Can, well, no, but no, but hot housing authors, hot housing writers, and getting writers, which absolutely is a model that works because mm. one of the things that writers do is write slowly, and I know writers, and I write. You put them in an environment where they are fed off each other, and there is a competitive environment. that's essentially producing, and it absolutely works. But it's 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 a, it works at the level of writers and ideas and generation. It does not work on there the, is a winner at the end. But the thing, no, the thing about the thing that's one thing because I, uh, one uh, one uh, one thing I enjoy, uh, I've been um, because I, uh, for I get obsessed with topics, and one of the topics yep. I got obsessed with the other days is the idea of what value, for example, the Clarion Workshop has had for. Um, specific sci-fi writers, yeah. Uh, and one thing I find is interesting about those is that a, a distinct, a, a very, very important difference between what hackathons do and mm. what these writer workshops do is that the they know what constitutes good writing. Yeah. And the That's point of the workshop is to bring together people who have experience with doing good writing. Mm. And helping out people who are, are are learning on how to make good writing. What you have with a hackathon, the way that this is being designed, is that you have basically a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing yep. gathered together with more people who don't know what they're doing, mm. and they waste waste time for mm. so for several days, and then the person who does the least bad thing mm-hmm. gets the money. Yeah, which is yeah yeah no. yeah definitely that's just not no you're right and I've, I've been at writers workshops and small ones things that used to be called block that ran at very small conventions through to away weekends through the kind of problem no they are incredibly valuable they allow for experimentation they allow for a real sense of as you say a kind of rigor from your peers mm. a rigor from people who know more about this than you do and a sense to which you can figure out how to do it or how you're doing it wrong and specifically how to get there. they're not about inventing new things no, they're not they're, they're about they're about they're uh, honing and crafting yeah they're about making. they're about people with more experience conveying c- conveying yeah. um, their experience to those who, uh, those who have less. It's about yeah. education and 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 basically passing the craft on yeah. to to others. And we have we have reached that level with software development. Mm. We haven't reached that level with like the creative digital part of a uh, uh, part of creative digital storytelling. Um, we, it's still, uh, still, we're still in the explore, uh, exploration phase. Yeah. Uh, f- uh, phase there. So, um, one thing I, I'd like to contrast this with: uh, when does ha- do hackathons work? Because mm. they do work in in very specific contexts, and because that's how they got invented. They were invented yeah. in contexts where they work. Completely. And um, uh, the, the the time where a hackathon actually works is specifically when you have a a disparate community of people who have already have experience of working with each other and already have a purpose. Yeah. Um, as in, that's why it doesn't work to have separate companies. Uh, but the classic example, the ones where that basically um, pioneered hackathons um, yep. as, a, as a thing, were open source communities. Yeah. Where um, these were groups of people who already had a subject matter and area that they were working on. Yeah. Uh, and they... No, uh, and the hackathons were a time where they could meet up, uh, meet up face to face, which they usually didn't do. If they could brainstorm new things, and they could uh, literally they could bond through play, because that's what the coding part of hackathons is. Not necessarily yep. 
um, productive coding. It's 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 social bonding for a pre-existing community yep. um, through play. Sometimes that results in things that are really cool and productive and clever. Yep. But that's not the point of them. But the point they are a social event for a uh, a pre-existing community, and and uh, that's why the parts where they tend to work in a commercial environment tends to be software companies whose structure mirrors that of open source software. Yes. As in, they tend to be software companies that are distributed. They tend mm-hmm. to work uh, asynchronously through GitHub and through uh, through issues and through, e- uh, through email and, uh, and chat, much mm-hmm. like open source communities. And so they, they use hackathons to bring the company together, uh, do the face-to-face meetings and brainstorming and organization, and then bond and, and create cohesive partnerships through playfully yes. uh, playful coding. Yeah. That, in that context, hackathons are not only uh, are not only useful, they're brilliant. They are really, really yeah. good at that. And they're really good social events for that. But publishing doesn't have that. Publishing does not have a community of coders. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't isn't there. Almost every open source project that I've seen in, in publishing is... It, it's closed. It, they have the the governance model of closed mm. of closed source software, software private email, uh, mailing lists, yeah. decisions made by corporations in, uh, in private, and there's no sense of community in the open source part of of, of publishing, yeah. and there's no sense of of community in um, in the way that these hackathons they they aren't getting to getting uh, getting together no. um, companies that already are in partnerships and working together and, and informally pl- uh, playfully trying things. Yeah. These are co- these are competitions. They are setting yes. people mm. up against each other, which is the opposite of what makes hackathons work. Yeah. Um, so it's just utterly mis- uh, misguided from the start. Yeah. Did you know, I just on the maths while you were talking and ranting, and I went on to um, booking.com and I just had a look for hotels in Amsterdam. Um, oh, God. Um, okay, so let's assume that um, the five companies will send no more than two people. Yeah. Which is a little bit skeleton staff, but let's assume they send no more than two people. Let's assume there are five publishers there, each of whom are sending no more than one person. Yeah. So there's one publisher working with one company. You know what the hotel bill's going to be? Let alone the all expenses paid bollocks. Yeah, The well. hotel bill's going to be £70,000. <laughs> To do this. So I mean, if we if we if we assume that if you tally all of the costs around the project yeah. all together, we're probably talking about hundred thousand pounds at the very least. What mm. would happen? You know, how, how many companies are inviting? That's five companies. Hmm? Five companies. Five yeah. companies. What would happen if you gave five companies yeah, twenty thousand? Just, just, just give them the money. Just give them the money and do something. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Just just don't give let them, them compete for it. They're not yeah. dancing ponies. Skip the hackathon. Just give just them give fifteen thousand euros each and pocket the change. Pocket the change <laughs> and then and to work with them yeah. for the next three months and, and figure and, out what and, you and do. And the, also, the problem with the deadline is that sometimes you just need to give people space and time to work on things and experiment and sort of mm. uh, because it, it's uh, and make mistakes. I mean, as a contrast, the th- uh, 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 the thing that has worked well, uh, mm. which I think more uh, should uh, more people should copy, is that what uh, what React has been doing. Yeah, um, and they're they've basically been doing the thing where they just basically pick a few projects and give them the money. Well, yeah, fundamentally, I mean, and, and, and React, and this is Joe Ransdown's second or third mention in these, and Claire Reddington, and, and Claire is going to get more mentions in this one when we talk about yeah, because she's awesome. Thons, because she's awesome. Um, but yeah, what React have done, React's model is that they there is a theme and you apply for the theme and you have to be an academic partner and a creative industries partner and basically you commit to working together for three months, four months, whatever the kind of the model might be. They will fund five or six of you or mm. seven or eight depending on how much money they've got at that any one time around that theme. At the end of it, you've got to produce something. 
There's no penalty if you don't produce anything. Nobody gets sacked. Nobody gets fired if the whole thing completely falls falls over because <laughs> we un- React understands that things don't always go to plan, but they will mediate. Their job is to help. Their job is to support. Their job is to act as mm. marriage guidance counsellors for companies and academics. Um, and you get 50 grand. Yeah. And you make stuff. And honestly, their, their, their hit record is pretty good. One of the things I like about React is that it gives... It gives. It starts off by giving all, every, all of the participants space enough to work. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't confine it to a single location. It it gives you a more extended period of time. But the really really useful thing that they do is that the projects that are are being uh, promoted and funded by uh, by React, you don't know whether they're going to work or not beforehand. No. And when when some of them don't work. Mm. That is a very useful thing that you learnt because it's been set out. This is what we're trying to do. This is this yeah. is what we're trying to take this idea and marry that to that idea mm. and implement that. And it is it's, it gives you actionable inf- uh, information even when it doesn't work. And when it does work, it's it is almost always a new discovery of things. That, well, you know, it's, this is something nobody uh, nobody has really tried before, and it's, uh, this turned out to work. And it's, so it's it's a much more productive model. Well, it's a much more productive obviously. model. It is, and also while you were saying that, I was thinking, looking at this thing on the screen and going, you know, what what are the Dutch Polish Association actually? And they must be really rolling in money. Let's go and write it down because <laughs> they're obviously they've got money with no idea how to spend it if they're putting this much money. Anyway, um, the model React. I think yes, React arguably arguably owes something to the hack culture, the hack ideas. But the way mm. React describe what they do is a sandbox. Yeah. And what reacts just looking at this, this is that at the end of the project, one winner will be awarded fifteen thousand euro by the Dutch Brothers Association Association. Actually reacts money is to implement your idea anyway. Yeah. It's to implement the idea in the process. Over your three months, four months, you're gonna make the thing that you said you were gonna make. So you do a little bit of thinking at the start, you do you, you you apply into the process and you're not starting from a blank slate, you're starting from a we have a thing here that you trust us enough that you think, yes, there are gonna be roadblocks, there are gonna be pitfalls, there are gonna be snakes in the ground and the bears have lanterns, but um <laughs> which is my, my metaphor for the day. Um, but we're going to guide you through it. It's not that at the end of it, suddenly we're going to let you go and here's 15,000 euro and go and make the thing that we spent 40 days wasting all our money thinking yeah. up and here's a pittance to go and do the damn thing. Yeah, and the rest of you can just go bugger off. Yeah, re- yeah, absolutely. React is about there are going to be six or eight of you and you're going to work together because you're going to be put together at certain points, which is sometimes helpful and sometimes not. And I get mm. that and I've experienced that kind of from both sides. But you're supported and... It's about it's the implementation within the confines of the process, within the confines of the project, and it's about getting you to that point where you have something at the end, or you've figured out whether, whether there are enough mistakes in it or enough moments that actually it ain't going to work. Yeah, the relationship doesn't work, the thing isn't there. It's not spending forty days imagining that's going to solve the world, and then have four beans and a magic cow, which is basically what the Dutch Products Association is offering. It's yeah. pointless, um, and it highlights the thing that. Uh, it highlights the problem with hack culture, in especially in something like publishing. And mm. I know publishing is not alone in this, but publishing is our target, it's our elephant, and so we're going to take pot shots. Is that you don't put people in a room and buy them pizza and expect everything to happen in a day or 10 days yeah. or 40 days and suddenly cut them loose at the end and go, well, we did all our work and it's brilliant, we gave you all the money. You've got hot housing, sandboxing, however you want to do it, is an iterative process. It's mm. a, it's you've got to you've got to trust the people involved. It's competitive because you don't not everybody's gonna be able to do it. So yes, there is a degree of gatekeepering of keeping the not I won't say the insane ideas because they're probably the ones that are gonna work, but the, the, the completely unworkable ideas out there. Yeah. But 
you it's a collaboration and I don't think publishing at the moment is set up to do that and certainly the one example that we've got outside of um, the Dutch Publishers Association which you know by the time this goes out with the, the they may have reinvented the world with 15,000 euro God knows we could be wrong <laughs> although I genuinely think this is one of the times we're not going to be wrong and yeah is the booksellers book hack yes of which I had a lot of fun you know oh it making just, fun of that it just felt like the most kind of ridiculous idea. Not the idea. The idea is a sensible one. As you said, the idea of what hack days are there to do is... Within a specific context. Within a specific context is a really valuable thing. But just the way it was... I don't know. That there was never going to be... There was never going to come out of that of uh, any viable prod, uh, no. product or project. It was just no. the way it's set up. It's not going to lead to uh, lead to people forming teams and working on long term things. It was no. not going to lead to anything that lasts. No. It, what what it did do, and this is something I I know from um, observation, is that some publishers used this to uh, to basically weed out which of the young um, eager um, empl- uh, sort of uh, 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 workers um, were, uh, were going to be the most enthusiastic and the, uh, uh, probably going to be. they basically used it to sort of weed out some of the less enthusiastic uh, sort of new employee um, prospects okay so the people who didn't sign up to take part in up, um, the book sales hack day was sidelined in the future well let's just well, let's just Did say that I, Mulder? But, <laughs> no, I uh, sort of well, uh, there are two, two responses. The first one is that I think that a disproportionate part of the young people that participated in Hack Day ended up getting employed um, by publishers. Right. Mm. And the second thing is that I do have an unfortunate tendency to assume that publishers' motivation is intelligent. Uh, and unfortunately, that because most a lot of what they do is incredibly destructive, I to be consistent, I have to assume that they're being Machiavellian and ruthless. Got it. Okay. Um, um, uh, if I were less charitable, mm-hmm. I would just think that they were being very stupid. But I prefer to be charitable and think that they're just being very, very clever and Machiavellian. Yeah. Um, I've been, it has been pointed out to me that this, they're, 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 I might not have that strong a case to make for that position of mine. Okay. But I'm going to try to stick for stick to it as I long think, as possible. I think you stretch it as long as possible until yeah, the, until the world does really fall down around your ears, and, <laughs> and it was the fault of somebody in Penguin Random House. But it's okay. yeah, no, it's the thing. Uh, the, yeah, it's it comes back down to the but same let's un- thing. Let's unpick why why wasn't that going to work? Why wasn't the booksellers. Yeah, that's a good. The the first thing is that it was there's no there's no investment there in community. They, they, they it was just uh, the, well. There's two two reasons. First off, um, a hackathon is like I said before. It works well when there's a pre-existing community yeah. of people who know each other already. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have that, so that's strike one. Mm. Strike number two is that for a lot of the work that you want to get out of hacking and mm. and digital work and software um you it's best done in isolation yeah uh like the brunt the the well, really heavy you, lifting like, part like writing <laughs> yeah it yeah. is it is very much like writing in that the heavy lifting portion of of the work is done by people sitting alone in their in their home offices or in, in an office with their headphones on and ignoring the yeah. world and hackathons are very counterproductive for most people mm. who are going to be valuable in this context what face to face is useful for coordination and for idea generation mm. 
Um, but that is literally something that is like an hour or two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sort of, uh, and it's, uh, and the thing that people forget, and it's the same thing that, it's surprising because everybody who's interacted with a writer on a regular basis knows how worthless ideas are. Mm. And it's like the the stereotype of, of, a, of a writer being asked sort of where do you get your ideas and what they say is like everywhere. Like, I have five ideas in the morning. By the time yeah. I've, t- uh, I've I've uh, you know uh, 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 pulled on my socks, it's, mm. ideas are everywhere. They're a dime a dozen. What what matters is ex- execution. Yeah. And what by doing these hackathons, what the message that publishers are sending is that um, coding is worthless. Yeah. All of the value is in the ideas. Yeah. Uh, and that is just the, that's the diametrical opposite of what, what the actual fact is. Yeah. The actual fact is that um, the ideas are worthless and everything, absolutely everything, mm. is in how well you execute it. Yes. And there's no room for execution in hackathons. There's, no. mm. Hackathons are like the coding that takes place in hackathon is play. Yeah. It's uh, you know it's it's social bonding. It's not productive work. No. Mm. Um, well, it really is. it really it, It's uh, like the, the the time when it gets productive is when you all have people who are coming, like I said, from a precinct community, mm. and they know each other really, really, really well. Mm. Um, and in those contexts, then uh, then you know their collaborations can be more productive. Mm. But those people would be productive even if they, you know no matter what context you put them together in, whether yeah. it's a hackathon, whether they're meeting up in a in a pub and deciding to uh, to work there, or whether they're doing it mm. online. Um, so it's sort of uh, it's not the hackathon that's doing anything there; it's the people. And it it so from my uh, from of. Uh, Hackathons, the way the publisher is doing it, it devalues the people, it devalues the work, it devalues um, the idea that time is important and time spent, and it it, it pretends that um, the all of the value in digital lies in in bright ideas by bright young things, um, and you know bright young things are important, but yeah. you can't coast on ideas. It, ideas are kind of the least important part of the bit, uh, of the process. Okay, so. Unpicking that, um, thank you, was that actually what, rather than trying to produce something in a one-day event or a two-day event or however much time they had, then actually what you need to think of is you need to hone the idea. You need to hone the idea into something over that period because, mm. yeah, it, without de- you're not, you, by running something and expecting kind of results over two days, you're right, you're devaluing coding, you're, de- you're devaluing the development and the refinement of the idea. So actually the purpose, what you've got to do first of all is change the whole purpose of if you're going to run a publishing hack, day yeah. or hack event you change the entire purpose. you're not hacking it at all it's an ideas generation day it's an imagine the future it's mm. a it's a reinvent the present what's wrong with things at the moment how can you reinvent it what can you do about it but you Basically, don't what, what you want then instead is an unconference the you, yeah absolutely. like um, yeah. the food camp uh, yeah, thing where camps, you yeah. uh, the only the you don't have to, uh, topics to say you have just have a general overarching problem yeah. Um, problem statement at the start. Yeah. You mm. gather uh, gather together a bunch of people and you uh, set up a bunch of rules that let them self-organise yeah. um, workshops and discussions around uh, on how to tackle that problem. So yeah. it's, it's basically the food camp or unconference uh, uh, model, which has been used very productively in mm. a lot of cases. But we haven't seen a, a, a you know, a 
publishing the yeah. unconference yet. Well, at least well, maybe it might have been like four or five years ago, something like that. Well, yeah, um, we, we we talked about it before. We sort of the possibility of doing something like that before, but it's never really happened. So yeah, but you, you have this moment where you uh, with an unconference you can put people who don't know each other together. You can mm. bring, you don't need the network because but, uh, you've got forms but, over the day. But they're, they're you're they're not you're not asking them to actually implement solutions. You're no. asking them to to, to basically to imagine ideas. And yeah, but well, not only that, just to analyze the problem, just yeah. discover what actually is wrong. Yeah, mm. um, and it's sort of uh, because uh, when like unconferences have, have in the past been used a lot for for large corporations who try to analyze where the yeah. dysfunction is, mm. uh, and uh, it's been very very useful in those contexts for for people to actually discover why the company is going uh, going yeah. in the wrong direction and the causes yeah. of things. Yeah, um, and then uh, the actual sort of uh, uh, actual process of solving that problem comes afterwards yeah because you can't yes. start there because until no. you know what is stopping things you're not trying to I, fix anything in that short i don't mm. think publishing has actually sat down and looked at themselves and tried to and asked themselves what is stopping mm. digital publishing and digital processes from taking mm. hold in publishing yeah. They haven't actually asked that question. And you have to do that before you start working on the big ideas and the big projects yeah, and all be- of that. Before things that, tra- that traditionally form the notion of a hack day when you actually get mm. things built and get things demonstrated and prototyped. Well, yeah, they're you, just getting ahead of her, their, their, yeah. themselves. They, yeah. you know, they need to stop and first look at what, what really is the problem. Mm. I don't really know. I, mean, I, I could point out some of the problems with the, in the organisations that I've worked with. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, but, and even then, I've only got one perspective on them. Sure. I, I can't even begin to answer the question of why, for example, Penguin Random House hasn't been a juggernaut in digital publishing, yeah. like it should be, corresponding yeah. to its size. Why? Why hasn't it? You know, there's no reason why Penguin Random House couldn't have been, you know, a business the size of the Kindle mm. before the Kindle even started. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, it's there, there, there's no reason why they couldn't be like a multiple, or, or uh, their their digital business couldn't be a multiple of what it is now mm. without diminishing their print size. There's yeah. no, and there, that is a block there that they need to ask themselves why why is that happening? And every single one of these publishers need to need to try and figure out what is blocking and why, yeah. and is this something we want to solve? Yeah, and because some of them will decide no. We don't want to solve that. We want to focus on doing print well we and protect that market. Yeah. And I'd I'd appreciate that because I would much rather they del- that uh, that you deliberately decide I'm going to focus on print and going yep. to focus on protecting and increasing the value of print and I'm not going to do digital. I'd rather you decide that deliberately and focus on that than you sort of. Half-assed, yeah. um, participate in both without actually doing either either well and letting uh, letting both sides down. Well, to return to return to the metaphor, we we almost finished before your kind of you know the before your rant about Islandic tourists last <laughs> um, Was that actually at that point you, you you know? Okay, at that point you have a hand on the tiller of an oil tanker. Oil tankers don't have tillers. You have a hand on the rudder of the oil tanker. You have a plan for where the damn thing is going. And at the yeah. moment, it just seems that at the moment there is no, <clears throat> there is no sense to which anybody has a long-term view of this. Has a way of thinking. You know, are we trying to turn this thing round? And if so, what the hell are we doing about it? Yeah. They're, they're shifting in the wind. And as a result, to kind of come back to the train metaphor, it's wavering on the track. It's going well, <laughs> this way and that way, but it's not doing anything because no one's actually committing to it. No one's pushing yeah. forward. No one's actually challenging it and saying where we want to go. So anyway. I did want this to be concretely, other than ranting about hack days, which I think we did, to be a kind of a, a modelling. So the first thing that we might propose mm. 
when we rule the world is that you have an unconference or you have a set of unconferences one in every or you have some way of gathering the what the hell is wrong and mm. how imagining what we might do to fix it or imagining a set of answers or even just recasting the question properly it's sort of a, a you need a collective <clears throat> you need to establish a collective understanding of what the problem actually yeah. is and what the yeah. roadblocks actually are yeah uh, and it doesn't matter really how you do that the unconference is, is one way um, because it's publishing you could do that just through opening up the floor to writing about the problem and, uh, well true of, uh, yes yeah, they, they, they um, do writing I, moderately well so yeah and, and anal uh, analysing it but I don't think we uh, publishers have actually sat down and said so what is stopping that is it because we are a large part of our staff just isn't interested in that so they yeah. do, do, do it sort of half-assed mm. Because if that's the case, then then the obviously you can't solve the problem using your existing organisation. You no. have to build a new one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can't decide that to, that the best way to solve the problem by building a new uh, is to build a new organisation until and you've you actually established figure out what the problem is in the first yeah, place. Yeah, you need to establish. You know, yeah. is it is it that? Is it that? Is it that? Is it that? Yeah. And you know, if it's that, then do that. So first off, you need to establish the problem. Yeah. Um, what it is and and sort of the general shape of the of the hindrances. And yeah. uh, uh, and then, and then from then, just to say, because I don't think there's anything. I think there's something, there's something inherently valuable about the way Hack Days construct themselves. Although we need to remodel it for publishing, is that out of that you get projects. Out of that you get this commitment to. Mm. We're going to. <clears throat> we're going to just to kind of kick Stephen Page in the balls again. We're, we're not going to lock you away for three months and expect you to lose money. We're we're going to do something about that, and we're going to support and commit because we're, we're trying to solve set problems. Yeah. And however you get from that, the end of that unconference process where you've recast the question, you've analysed things, you've really got the the outline of a proper strategy, and not a strategy that's driven by your CEO, but mm. a strategy that's actually driven by the people working in the company, or an acknowledgement that you need to change those people, or something about that. There is a sense to which this is not... This ain't, this ain't by committee. I mean, there's, is... there's a, uh, there are terms in management theory about the um, internal value network of the mm. company, and uh, that uh, you can't a CEO can't change the value network of the company no. by dictat. Mm. So um, you have to figure out either <coughs> if, uh, sort of is the problem the value network of the company what the actual collective values as an organization yeah um if that's a problem then you need to build a new organization if the value net network is not the problem then you need to try and find a way to apply it yeah. to the problem, the problem. Mm. and that means that you need to try and find a way that um that to present um the problem of digital publishing or digital media or interactive media or whatever, whatever responses yeah. a way to present that to your organization as something they would value yes um that's a way to get, get to get them to work on it you can't get them to work on it just by telling them to no. mm. um and yeah so it's uh, but it's uh, the the the, uh, the th uh, other thing you need to do is to realize that there's no one solution even if there's one problem because you don't know what is going to work mm. and you uh, and it's you might you might yeah so you 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 probably want uh, want to organize more attempts than less yeah. more small attempts than less to do things yes. than a big monolithic bet you want on yeah, the future yeah. you want whatever whatever comes out of this whatever the thing that you're going to support you're going to find the internal time the external time you're going to reshape whatever there are multiple things you're doing you're not trying mm. to do one thing you're trying to do five six seven eight or nine things at the same time because not all of them would work no and all and, and that's the freedom you've got to give them you've got to give them that freedom this is not about read this is not about Failure here, it's about, it's about, as we said last time, it's about the ability to make mistakes, the ability mm. to kind of fall flat. But we're going to support you, we're going to figure out what this is, but we're going to be as hands-off as we can because this is down to you. You're being trusted with this. Yeah. If we're bringing somebody else in, they're being trusted with this. But there's a conscious thing that this is about building a strategy. It's about building a different kind of approach to, as you say, whether it's the 
the value network of a company, whether it's the entire company, whether it's a certain bit of the workflow, whatever those things might be that happen when we look at what the present is and go, that's screwed, mm. we need to fix that. It's those things. And there are, there's a value in there being lots of them. Mm. I mean, if all else fails, if you have absolutely no faith in your or in your organisation at delivering mm. any sort of problem solving, what you can always do, which is the sort of nuclear option, mm. is to basically take all of the digital rights of everything you own, all yep. of them, every single one, even to the last scrap, even to the rights of uh, 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 you know rights to the text on your bloody website. Yeah. Put them in a separate organisation that's situated in a completely different city, yep. and give them uh, basically a, the contra- uh, contractual right, bulletproof in writing, where they can sell off and do whatever they want with those rights, and you can't uh, can't uh, interfere. Yep. And just tell them maximise the value of your digital rights. Go off and go do off whatever and you want. Yeah. That that company will do that. They will pro- uh, they, they will probably do that in a way that you would probably find horrifying because yes. you'd say, oh my God, they're devaluing the concept of a book because yes. they're offering it for a low price, but they're maximising the value of the catalog oh, as, as the catalog they've got, um, they've got responsibility. That's obviously, yes. obviously the nuclear option because that completely takes you out of the picture. But if you are the problem, then that's what you have that's to do. That's what you have to do. Or you have to, you have to find a way to do that safely or not safely or to, to give some some latitude to those people and mm. they can do that and they feel they can do that and model it out there. Okay, Obviously, so, if, you can, if you can do it internally, um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's probably more productive because then you can rely on your existing resources. Yeah. So you, went, you need to, yeah. Yeah, so, you, so what you've done, you've run as a company or as a set of companies or a set of organisations within a company because it's all about the big five here, you've run a set of unconferences or an unconference or whatever else and you form the question. You then formed a set of projects to take mm. those things forward and you've committed to them for... I don't know, six months. Something containable that you're going to yeah. support them for because you can't this run forever. And this is <coughs> this is about the re- the perception of return. It's about understanding what it is that you're getting, understanding what that thing means at the end of it. And at the end of that, you're going to have some kind of I'm not I'm, I'm not using the word measure, but some kind of reckoning of what where have we got to? What have we identified yeah. about this? What do these things all tell us about this initial set of questions? But it's a joined up way of thinking about it. It's not the hackathon day where suddenly we have a day of young, bright young things in a room with tech companies who are equally bright young things, as you say, don't know anything about publishing, people who don't who know, know about tech companies, and at the end of which they decide that they're going to change the world and it's not going to work because you're not supporting Anyway, so you've mm-hmm. supported them through this, and then you get to the end of this process, it might be three months or six months long, and you know what we just described? What? React. <laughs> yeah. I'm absolutely serious. I'm absolutely serious. Yeah. Um, one thing that are okay. One thing that was said about React's books and print um, process at the end of its books of its run mm. in 2013 was that what books and print achieved. I, I make no apology for being a cheerleader for React. What books and print achieved in five months was more than publishing has achieved in five years. Yeah. And actually, it's because it took the 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 notion that you can do something interesting by putting people with different interests and different agendas in a room together for a set period of time, guiding them, mentoring them, giving them money and latitude and giving them the process to do it. And at the end of it, having this moment where you go, what was achieved? Yeah. And there's a target. And actually, that's entirely what they did. Um, and yes, if you want, I mean, React's funding is up at the end of this year. If you're in publishing and you're listening to this and you want to hire people, I can put you in touch. <laughs> because they're really good and they would do it. And no, I think because the other thing about this is in terms of hack days and publishing is this is a notion that the hack day because it works well in different sectors and it does work well in Mm. other sectors it works well in kind of computing and it works well in software design it works in a whole set of things that you can suddenly apply to publishing and because it works well there it will work well here and if it doesn't work well it was a failure and therefore we're not going to try that again yeah and And the the, 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 sort of the general response then is that the 
it's it's either called, uh, the the problem was either the people that they selected or the concept of the yeah. of the hack day and not the fact that you misapplied this concept. You misapplied in the first this concept place. completely because you didn't think about what the hell your the hell your business is and how you're mm. going to try and resolve it. Um, and the hack day is designed around a certain scale, a certain way of thinking about things, a certain way of, as we said, a certain way of actually the unconference notion is understood by the people taking part, and you know what the problem is, or you know what the thing you're trying to solve. I mean, it, it wouldn't be a bad idea for publishing to set out to have a goal that in three or four years' time you would want to be the sort of organisation where a hack day would be productive. Yeah, completely. And mm. that is a completely different goal from actually just starting hack day now because it, 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 if, it, if you phrase it that way, that acknowledges the responsibility to change your organisation and your community yeah. to, uh, to a point where it becomes productive for yeah. them to meet up and brainstorm and play together with the, the with the tools that are existing. Yeah. And that is a completely different goal and I think that would be more interesting to see. Um, How do you get from point zero where you are now to that in five years where that yeah. can run and that can and that can be part of your <clears throat> your, your annual calendar of innovation. And to answer um, I'm to, answer, to answer Edward um, Edward in the Nowaka um Nawatka in the publishing perspective. I think he's from Malta. I think he's from Malta. He, he's got a very nice smile. Um, that's how. That's what innovation looks like in publishing. Mm. Is that you change the way publishing works. You change the way the internal structures work. And you change the way the company ethos works in order that this thing can take place. Because you're not set up for it at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I've got <clears> this <throat> thing in my head that I've been trying to um, structure um, very very badly. I've been obsessing mm. about this for a few weeks now. Is the idea of modularity versus integration, and yep. um, um, big publishers are are integrated to a fault. They are everything yes. pulled mm. in, yep. and even the times when they're partnered with somebody, they're partnered so tightly and so so dominantly that it's like lightning source Literally, they're housed within within buildings that Asher don't. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and um, uh, you know, distribution and retailers are, are completely dominated by these 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 large large partners mm. that really control all of the messaging. And the problem with that is that everything digital, from top to bottom, is incredibly mo- modular. Mm. And it's the best place to see the the tension between modularity and, di- and integration and where where it's you know, causing a lot of well damage mm. is in apple apple right. is a very integrated company so they make a really integrated product with the with the iphone where they mm. make where they, it's it's assembled sort of out of parts from many manufacturers but they literally own the machines that it's like they go to they go to these Chinese manufacturers and they will buy for them the machining yeah. tools to make things. Where they own the only thing that the the Chinese manufacturer manufacturer is a, is providing is staff mm. and location. Yeah. Um, Apple owns the machines. Apple owns everything. They they they, they design the process and it's the hardware is one of the most integrated th- uh, products that has ever been created. Yeah. Um, but the software side is fundamentally modular. Yeah. And you can tell at the problems that Apple has been having in trying to get people, get software, software people to develop for their app store, in that they're trying to apply integrated philosophy to try and gener- uh, build up a fundamentally modular eco- ecosystem, which right. is apps, because apps are modular. Is that you? They literally are things that you that you build out of building blocks and you yep. fit them together. And modular ecosystems work better when they're more open, and it's. 
it's caused this uh, this situation where there's a race to the bottom, where there's less diversity in apps, and it's disproportionately affected the the, the iPad because the iPad we actually don't know what the iPad is best for. Mm. Um, it sort of sits in a nowhere's land between the laptop and the and the iPhone, yeah. and the best way to find out what it was for is to basically say you know have at it and you know you know figure out what works on it. But they haven't done that, uh, so it's, everybody's got like hands off. You know, this is, you've got this integrated thing going on there. If you yeah. uh, if mm. I had to participate, it would only really work if I, if we were like a strong partner became a partner became mm. integrated. Yeah. But since we're not, it'd be a huge risk. So most of them got to be hands off. Yeah. Mm. And it's. That's the problem that publishing is facing is that they they don't have what Apple has, which is Apple's in, uh, uh, integrated product mm. is the best in the world. Yeah, the iPhone is without a doubt the uh, if if it isn't the absolute best uh, best uh, uh, mobile phone you get, it is definitely in the top two. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like you're not going to see more than it's like you uh, sort of you mostly going to say maybe maybe top three. You're mm. mostly going to see like the Google Nexus device and Samsung's top tier device. Yeah, you know those three sharing it, and it's like an incredibly small group of contenders. Yeah, publishing can't turn around and say we're the the absolute best in the world that we're doing because they're just subcontracting authors. Authors are the best at what they're doing, not yeah. publishers. Publishers are just a really tightly integrated packager. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's it's become more and more obvious that this is the case as uh, self-publishing has been growing that the value that publishers are, are pro- providing through their integration is not nearly as important as people are thinking. So they are having the situation where the value of their integration is being called into question mm. in digital by contrast of uh, by contrasting it with the self-publishing market where people and 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 the web and all of these things where mm. people are getting direct connections with authors. So they they need to need to rethink their value proposition to the market completely from ground up and that is going to going to necessarily mean a restructuring. Yeah. And that, this is basically where I got to. It's like, I started okay. um, <clears throat> on the whole modular versus integration thing several yeah. weeks ago. I've been sitting like in the evening, sort of with um, um, you know uh, old Cartoon Network cartoons running on Netflix. Uh, Dexter's Laboratory, Courage the Cowardly Dog, okay. Johnny Bravo. This is how you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're sort okay. of having that running and sort of staring at the uh, at the wall and Netflix alternately, sort of <laughs> thinking about the pro- uh, think about the uh, about the problem. And that's where I've got to really. Sort of uh, okay. that's is, uh, is it fundamentally the value proposition that you're offering to the market is broken or is being called to question? It, yeah, it's been called to question. Yeah. And c- coming back to what we're start t- talking about in terms of analyzing the problem. You need to decide whether the tactic you're going to use is to strengthen your value proposition. Stre- yeah. You know, make a better case for integration across the board and an integrated production process, or whether the way to address it is to go and modularize and go, mm. uh, you know, wholeheartedly into digital processes and completely complete configurability, yeah. adaptability, and um, you know, modular approach and it seems that they are trying to do both. They're trying to build new digital modular processes, but trying to keep all of the integrated thing at the same time. And it's sort of, it, I think you need to pick one because I don't know which one's the right one. No. I think both might actually be right because I th- like with Apple, we, we we have mobile phones that are really good that are completely integrated. We have mobile mm. phones that are really good that are, are completely modular. Mm. I think the space for both. Yeah. 
Um, but if you have both in a marketplace and you have companies that have adopted for one, for the modular or for the integrated, yeah. you have a sense of differentiation. Yeah. You have a sense of a different approach, which means you need differentiation yeah. and you need specialization. Yeah. Uh, you need to pick what. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't be better. Which actually, I mean, okay, in a, in a weird way, if you're an author and if you are, as we've identified, you're the, prov- you're the actual provider of value, the actual mm. person who gives something unique to this, which is the, 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 the proper bit of genius in the whole process. You have a choice. Mm. You have a proper choice in, I want to go to publisher A because they've adopted this particular approach and they will serve me very well and this modular approach, and as I understand what publishing does and therefore I understand why I'm giving them all this money, yeah. fundamentally it's what I'm doing. Um, I understand the value I get from this because this gets me here and here and here. And I can, I can <clears throat> again, I hate to use the word measure, but I can understand what that is in a kind of, in a tangible way. Or I'm going to go for this publisher which feels very integrated and very kind of controlled or very contained and it offers me this because this is the kind of publisher that my writing responds to or I feel more comfortable democracy but actually i've got a choice yeah it's not just i want to deal please mm. oh yeah definitely mm. i mean the, the the thing that is the most valuable to authors today is the idea that they can diversify yeah uh, the 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 advantage the way you look at the average pay for authors over the past few years and it's gone down absolutely yeah. and it's mm. you know it's it's looks horrifying because it is yeah. um but one of the benefits that you that authors have today that they did not have 20 years ago is that you can diversify you can self-publish a bit you can mm. you can um do this one you know this one title with a, a small lean and maneuverable modular publisher you can, yeah. can do this title for with a large publisher mm. and you can spread your bets yeah. um uh, you know it takes more work but it's it's it seems like a more a safer option for authors in the long run to have that option of diversification than yeah. Betting everything on one. The betting everything on one, and therefore all your eggs in one basket. And if mm. one decides that you are that your backlist isn't selling, or that the current thing you've got isn't selling, and they sort of fade you out mm. because it happens, then you're, yeah, you're completely because, stuffed. Yeah, mm. and it, because it, like betting everything on Amazon is just as dumb as betting yeah. everything on a, <clears throat> on, a, on, a, on a single publisher yeah. that might lose interest in, in something in a, 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 a sort of by the time you lose or lose faith in you or whatever it might mm. be because yeah, there's a dip. Yeah, so mm. it's sort of um, it's yeah, and it, but they, it's the same thing, but. That's the same thing with the idea of contests. That why mm. that's a bit, that's wrong with these hackathons is that yeah. they they always come down to the thing that the, the there's the, there's always one good option for every sing, at every yeah. single turn, one right thing to do. Yeah. And but almost always, if if you're wanting to lower risk, mm. increase the probability of something working, what you need is a diversity. Yeah. You need, and it's something, it's just even when, even when in discussion, it's, so there's a, been a lot of research in social studies and psychology about if you have groups that have a diverse selection of people mm. versus a uniform selection of people, the diverse one will come up with more ideas and more, more, more um, solutions and is more likely to be able to tackle a problem than the yeah. monolithic one because everybody has the same ideas and the same yeah. solution. Mm. So it's, it's, you don't want to... Competitions weed out diversity. That's what they're supposed yeah. to do. They're supposed yeah. to pick one. That's the opposite of what you do. You want to, you want to put in place a system that Makes it diversity captures, easier yeah. and captures mm. the value that's generated yeah. from it, and I, I think that uh, that React is is a model like that. And it, the the thing that was, spe- was special about React was that the it it was about trying to uh, foster co- uh, collaboration between academia and, and yeah. business. It, you don't actually need it, it. doesn't actually require that. You can actually no. just use it just to to. You can use the same model. I mean, yeah, and, yeah. and it's important to stress just because we are talking about React that that. That model is not that it's something the watershed developed in Bristol mm. as a as sandboxing 
within an environment to just generate ideas. You know, yeah. it, was, it was tech companies and theatre companies. It was just so that you put people with different interests together and see what happens. Mm. And basically, that's at the heart of it. And those people could be they were they were curated or not curated. They were kind of selected or not selected at various different points. But over the over time, yeah, reactors taking this model. But you're right. You could <clears throat> you could easily apply that kind of thinking into a what you might see at the moment as a kind of conventional publishing environment, a conventional environment that needs shaking up, that needs shaking out because without it, it's not going to. It's not going to get the train started on the tracks again. Mm. I mean, well, there, well, the, the one thing that though that we can't discount, which is we can't forget the fact that there are already some clear best practices that publishers are not following. That sure. where mm. we we've been talking about the, 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 the this as if the the problem is undefined and unknowable. But for example, if you look at what um, like the marketing that. Um, Chris is doing for Final yeah. Night Press or the execution for Canelo because uh, yeah. one mm. thing I've, I've really enjoyed watching is that how those two sort of both really really new companies they've been doing things very differently yeah. and each in their own way has been exhibiting some of the best practices you have Canelo has really really nice execution the mm. way the way that they've been executing the rollout the the other other way uh, sort of executing the uh, website development and production and all that they've been really really good at, at sort of just executing and delivering yeah. um chris has been really good at, at community building and marketing and, and they've been using best practices for each one of those yeah. um and, uh, and th- so there are areas where the best practice is completely known yeah and you know there's no really no excuse for publishers not to start picking up on the marketing tactics that chris has been talking about for years yeah absolutely. But he's been charging them Yes, um, an absolute. I, mo- mm, I yeah. eye-watering amount of money for consultations on telling them how to do it, which they then not uh, don't do. Yeah. Um, but you know, there, there's really no excuse for them not to steal his ideas. Yeah. Um, and the same thing is there really no reason for people not to steal the uh, execution and production yeah. ideas of or that can have been used. But just to, or to look at anything and any mm. any new entrant in publishing, any new entrant in any market, and just do some analysis and figure out what is it that makes them special. What is yeah. it? And this comes back to what we talked about last time. What is it that makes them the avant-garde? What is it that makes them just a, a li- something that's on a train that's moving faster than the train you're moving on? And why are they on that bloody train and not on your train? Yeah. Because they've got something. And it's, usually it's because you fired them. <clears throat> well, yes. Usually <laughs> because I fired them. But, yeah, but what has gotten to that point? What is, what is there? What, what brings readers back to them? And you know, my, my favourite in this, which is not the same argument, and it's not even a digital argument, is McSweeney's. You know, what makes McSweeney's yeah. a, an attractive offer? And I... I don't subscribe to McSweeney's, but I pretty much buy everything they publish because mm-hmm. it's slightly cheaper for me to buy them three months later from that great thing in the sky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what 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 for me it comes back to is a conscious kind of curation of content that the, the, the once they got past their first year they were starting to really think about issues mm. and volumes around a certain thing and frankly the design yeah because oh, it, the design is just the design is really just nice. astonishing. I will quite happily pay fifteen twenty quid for a an edition of McSweeney's because because real thought is going into the design, real thought is going into, mm. and when you get into the content, it's still words on paper. Yeah, one thing they've not done, with one or two exceptions, you know, the uh, the comics issue that Chris Ware curated for them, where really kind of experiments with the form, but they have pretty much kept it within the within the form of the thing. They kept the content as it is still short stories. Yeah, and 
with a few exceptions around that, but the design of the books, the design of the design of that thing on your shelf that is your collection, that that keeps me coming, and that's special. That's something that we've mm. we've looked at constantly and gone, what do we, not how do you how do you ape McSweeney's design, but what is it about that that keeps a reading a reading audience? Because yes, on the one hand, McSweeney's is bankrolled by Dave Eggers, <laughs> without any doubt at all, they wouldn't have made it this far, but yeah. they now have enough subscribers to keep going. Yeah. Or enough subscribers to do a proper Kickstarter, and enough interest, and enough interest from their community of writers to do. You can go have lunch with Nick Hornby. Mm. That so and so will write you your telephone answering machine, and they're ridiculous Kickstarter benefits, but they're genuine. Yeah. Because McSweeney's have been going for forty-eight issues, and they have they have longevity and have reputation, and those are things that publishing should be learning from. Mm. I mean, it's, it's uh, the the sort of uh, analogy from uh, from comics, more proper comics that mm. I can think of is Fantagraphics. Yeah. As in there, if you look at, I mean, if you look at, for example, that they, they were responsible for designing and publishing the, the complete collection of Charles Holtz's yep. Peanuts. And it's just, you look at that and it is, I could never imagine buying that, even though it's a massive collection. Mm. It, when I buy that, which I, I'm going to do, I'm going yep. to do, buy that eventually. Yep. It's sort of uh, because when I when I buy that, that will be in print because the print books are just wonderful. Yeah, and they they put they they they, they have the same sort of relationship with their audience. They have a long term readership. They used to fund themselves using porn. Yeah. Um, they, yes. uh, if, you, if you aren't familiar with Fantagraphics, well, Fantagraphics uh, was founded by Gary Groth and Kim Thompson um, yeah. a- ages ago, where they were um, they were convinced, and this was in the time where uh, where sort of um, the uh, the in- interest with underground comics was was waning. Mm. Uh, we still had Will uh, Will Eisner uh, putting things out, but yeah. basically they were the only people who had this firm belief that comics could be. You know, literature, yeah. proper, proper culture, yeah. and so they started the Comics Journal, and um, then when somebody, uh, as critics, and then when somebody <laughs> basically point out, you know, put your money where your mouth is, uh, yeah. they, they turned on it. Okay, let's do that, and they started a publisher called Fantagraphics, yeah. and when they were having problems actually funding all the interesting weirdo comics that they were uh, they were putting together, they decided to basically steal an idea from literary history. Mm. Where uh, if you've got familiar with literature, still common pat- a pattern in in uh, in li- literature is mm. publishers using erotica to um, to finance literary fiction. Yeah, and so they did the same thing, and they they for longest period of time they used to use that. But now they're in a position where they have such a strong um, a position with the audience that they're. Erotic titles have actually switched over to very interesting things like reprinting old, uh, old underground comics and uh, Tijuana Bibles and yeah. um, um, like uh, Massive, which is like uh, a translation of, of uh, gay erotic ma- uh, manga, which nobody else was going to publish. But, uh, because they don't actually have to use uh, use that to fund things because no. they already have now they can do things. They have a catalogue of work that is and, moving um, forward. Yeah. They put such thought into the print versions of what they do that. It's just, it feels you're getting more than just the content when you're buying yeah. the books because there's such a thought, a thought been put uh, put mm. through it, and it's it's they they have a philosophy of doing things, uh, doing print as as well as can uh, can yeah. be, and it's I don't you don't get that sense when you go and buy a footballer's autobiography in in, in a store, and so you get the feeling that you know the the. Uh, they probably would. Uh, there's no inherent reason why that organisation is obsessively focused on print because they sure. don't have the philosophy of 
that values print to back up that uh, that focus. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I think we're getting carried away there. But no, yeah, I'm a huge fan of pantographics. They were awesome. And Gary Groth is, is the opinionated, um, really well, sometimes foul mouth. There no hesitation to criticise thing. Glorious bastard uh, yeah. of comics. Uh, as long as you don't get on his wrong side, obviously. No, absolutely <laughs> yes. Okay, we should we should start to wind up because I think we are coming up on our hour. Aren't we? I think so. Um, yes. And I had an example here. I want to talk about. I want to check the the providence of it because I bring is an example about how publishers are responding. So. Don't do hack days. Um, please just don't do hack days. Think about the model. Think about how, what you're actually trying to do and what you're trying to achieve. Um, try to figure out the problem first before you try to solve it. Yeah, because putting people in a, putting a lot of people in a room and expecting them to lose money is a silly idea. Putting people in a room where you identify what the actual problem is is a much, much better plan. Yeah, it's actually a lot cheaper as well. And it's a lot cheaper in the long run. And it will certainly not cost you 100000 Pounds in a hotel built in Amsterdam. Okay, that's Give it. Give me part of the money. We're okay. out. I, I've got productive use. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm.